crawling around in a uh, dumpster is, is surprisingly tiring, Father Harrison. I would suspect so, and also stinky. You know, it depends on what's in the dumpster, you know? Um, this dumpster wasn't particularly stinky. Um, it was mostly I was crawling around in a dumpster full of, like, twigs and leaves and stuff, and there were some other carpets. Um, an old refrigerator, I think, was in there as well. Um, some various, um, like, torn-up pieces of wood and stuff. So it wasn't like a, a food dumpster, which which did make the whole process a little bit more bearable. But still, surprisingly tiring. It really kicked my butt this week. It, yeah, it would. that would be... I mean, how often do you go for meanderings through the dumpster you know that i think i'm out of dumpster shape that's the problem you know i haven't done right. some dumpster diving in a long time um right and this was a particular kind of dumpster diving you know how like um in the old country how uh people like get a bunch of grapes and you have to step on the grapes to get the juice out to make wine that kind of thing yes yes i was yes, doing yes. something similar to that to get everything packed into this dumpster so i was crawling mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. in a bunch of like leaves and twigs trying to squish it down because you had to get mm -hmm. everything below the top lid of this like uh, dumpster thing, right? Right. Um, so, in other words, you're being you're going full Italian. I was. I was going full Italian, but also like, I guess it was pretty. It was Italian in the sense that this was also a part of construction and deconstruction, you, which is did, also important. Did you do it in bare feet? This is the important. No, no, that would have been really dumb. Oh, um, not, then then that's not very Italian. <laughs> was one thing stepping on grapes with bare feet, which is a whole other thing. But like, uh, I mean, there's potential for like nails and like stray, like sharpened sticks and stuff. And I didn't need that so in my life. Offer it up to Jesus. Oh, I need to pray. I was like, Lord, what I'm about to do is pretty stupid, but it needs to be done. And uh, please don't let me like break a leg or anything because I need to say mass. And uh, or Lord, get, uh, like, get me safe. Tetanus. Yeah, exactly. So, so far, no tetanus that I can tell. Um, I just got really sweaty. And the reason for all this dumpster diving um, is that uh, producer Nick has, uh, and producer Riley have acquired a new house. A new house. Whoa. And this house needs uh, a lot of work. So, we were tearing up stuff, cleaning stuff. Huh. And one of the things we had to do is, like, the just the house has been sitting for a long time before they purchased it. Right. Here. So, Nick was, uh, and some of his uh, friends were, taking down all the all the foliage and overgrown trees and stuff and some trees were dead and right. dying and he had to mm -hmm. chop them all down and throw it in this dumpster and it had mm -hmm. to all be squished down so i was doing the squishing so a couple of questions first did riley sell the house to herself uh it, this is a complicated situation and the answer is <laughs> i don't understand exactly what's going on um, nor it's, do it's I care like to. Priest, it's like it's like a priest forgiving himself for his own sins. Yeah, yeah. Now they will be selling almost, their old house. Riley will be selling uh, their old house, um, and right. I think she was obviously involved in buying this new one. And also, so my parents were helping out with that too. I don't know exactly how all this works. So, but, second question is, how does Nick yeah. feel about leaving his old house? Because like he worked on that house quite hard. Like he he's worked hard to get that first house. Like that first house is always a big. He was still mm -hmm. working on it like a few months ago, even like it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. But, um. And I've been there, and it was yes. definitely, I mean, he definitely built it up to being a place that he wanted to have that was that felt homey. Like, he did yes. a very good job with his home. I was very impressed. Yes, absolutely he did. Um, and uh, it's also increased the value of the house, which is nice. Um, but yeah. the thing is, you know, they've got one baby, another baby on the way, and you need more space for babies. And right. so I think they're very and also, Yes. Well, actually, let's be honest. They need space for three babies for when you go for your day, day off once in a while. 
Yes, I am a big baby, and I do. I will have I will have my own little guest room. Nice. Uh, so that's exciting. Nice. That's a big win. That's awesome. And nice. producer nice. in Indiana will have much more room to schedule around in, and uh, yep. that's that's very exciting. But it's a lot of work to get all this stuff it turned is. around. And the beautiful when thing are is they moving into when are they moving into the new place? As soon as they can, they have to get new. They have to pull out all the carpeting. Um, and so as soon as new carpeting comes in, that's when they start like moving and moving. And they already started bringing stuff in. You know, it's, all this stuff is, is crazy and exhausting. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is, is it's kind of a, a beautiful example of the domestic church in that, um, you know, uh, Nick is doing a lot of work because Rally is super preggers right now. Uh, and I say that with respect and fear and awe. Uh, and uh, basically, it's like friends, people from his pastoral council have been helping out. People from his youth group have been helping out. You know, family. Nice. I've been there a couple of times. And it's really cool that everyone's coming together to help out. Uh, and it's also a testament of how much, how well he's loved and cared for, too. Yes, yes, right. yes. Yeah. And he's also working his butt off. Um, so, uh, good job, Nick. But we're going to be working our faces off by talking to you on this podcast called Clerically Speaking. Welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony. I am Father Harrison. A um, couple things, I think. Let's see here. So... Uh, this weekend we hosted another, you know, I try to host a bar- barbecue tour a year at the rectory for young adults. Um, we have, it's about to start the new university year is about to start off this today. The students are back in class. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had a great turnout. Like we had a bunch of new faces. I want to say something like around 43 to 45 people came on Sunday for our barbecue, which is... Nice which is huge like yeah people have to understand like we are we are small potatoes up in this diocese so mm-hmm. to have that kind of a turnout on a sunday and some people only finding out about it that day because they just moved to nanaimo for school or whatever it is uh is huge and like there was, That's a, cool, there was yeah. some neat little things like uh like um one person who came i don't want to share like too many details obviously but it's like one person who came uh actually came here like a couple years ago but like there's still pandemic stuff a bit and then like She's from a South American country and like wasn't sure, like was that not used to this idea of like being multiple churches. Like she's just used to pretty much Catholic churches being around. So she's afraid, afraid to go to the wrong church. She hadn't actually shown up for a bit and then kind of found out last year from her landlords uh, where the Catholic church was and started coming a mm-hmm. bit. And then like, so she was like plugged in and she said to me, she goes, I was actually really sad because if I had like been plugged in a bit more last year, I could have gone to World Youth Day with you guys. I've always wanted to go to World Youth Day. Oh like, yeah, <laughs> it, was just a, it was actually beautiful. Like, so I'm like this is why our group exists. I get the fact that, like, when you, especially moving from a different country, and you're not used to how things are done here, I can get how you can kind of fall off for a bit. Just be, not because you don't like the church or anything. It's just like you don't know how things work here, and you're yeah, wondering, it's overwhelming. Like, it, it, it's overwhelming, right? And so she was, and she stayed till the end of the night. Like, it, she she came after work and stayed till the end of the night, and it was like it was just great. I've also uh, been exposing young adults to '90s culture. <laughs> and all this uh so i've been going through my uh big uh, watching of 90s movies and so i exposed mm-hmm. them to wayne's world on wow. sunday night those who, wayne's those world. who were excellent. around so, yeah yeah party time excellent <laughs> uh, um so that was great no, it was a good time like that's what a barbie it was just a lot of help people came out and helped and we were getting that started and um um and then the other thing was you know uh I so did you ever did you do the Barbenheimer? I have not. No, I haven't gone to the movies in forever. It's sad. I know, I know. People can't see the shock and awe on my face here. So, okay, so when they 
I actually been wanting to talk about just just a time. I mean, I want to be careful. I don't want to do a movie episode because we all know how that one went last time. Yes, bad, <laughs> bad. We are not good at bad. culture. Go to well, the sub beacon if you want culture. Maybe, 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 maybe. But you know, uh, so just before we're going World Youth Day, we did the double whammy. We went to Oppenheimer, and then we went to Barbie. Nice. And I, it was funny because I had like no massive desire to see Barbie. Partially because like I don't know what this is all about, and I don't. Right. I don't know. It's very pink, which is fine. I just. <laughs> I don't know. I just I, I know I'm not the target audience. I felt yeah. I wasn't the target audience. Okay? <laughs> so, but I really loved both movies. But it was like mm-hmm. it was a very intense thing to go to Oppenheimer, and there was a there was a two different theaters. So like go to Oppenheimer, hang outside for ten minutes to talk about, it, and then get in the car and rush to the other theater to go see Barbie. Okay, uh, yeah. it was insane. So, but last night or yesterday afternoon, uh, a bunch of us went to go see um, Barbie again. I seen Oppenheimer again with some other people. I want to see Barbie again. Like I want to see them separate from each other yeah have time to I process say, like, they're both flipping amazing movies <laughs> and like i am a massive christopher nolan fan right like i love right, yeah. Oppenheimer. I, I just i think i like barbie better wow that's a that's a statement and a half right there no, no barbie gets you in every single human emotion and feeling in a really powerful way wow and it does it does deep conversations about humanity without it being preachy, political, mm-hmm. etc. It's not perfect. It's not. No movie is perfect, but it was just it was a fun time, and it was like really cool because like some of the guys who came were like a little. I don't know if I want to see this movie. I've heard things on the internet, blah blah blah. Right. They're all happy they saw it and they all liked it. Yeah, there you go. So that was cool. Like that was cool. So anyways, I just want to say like so we did a bunch of that yesterday. And I was just I. That's my. That's probably all I'm gonna say unless we get like a bunch of fan mail saying you guys have to talk about this which will then force you to go see the movies which would be kind of fun. yeah uh um that's probably all i'm gonna say about it right now but that was that was good times great all right then let's let's just jump right into some theological emergencies thank you for calling clerically speaking if this is truly a theological emergency please dial one at any time Hi, I flushed my goldfish down the toilet, and I wanted to know, is that a sin? Theological Emergency. We'll take your call at 412-912-7995. Hi, this is Jim, and I had an emergency regarding the change of name of Twitter to X. So will Summa Tweetologica now become X Communications? Hmm. I, I wonder what the new bumper will be. Thank you for answering this emergency. Isn't that great? Oh. Here's the thing. Oh. Here's the thing. If you're oh. a new listener to our uh, podcast, a, a, a few things. One is that um, a lot of the creativity of this podcast, especially at the beginning, was due to just good people with good ideas giving us good stuff. Uh, A good friend of ours, Nick, not producer Nick, um, gave us the name, clerically speaking. He gave us um, the name of our uh, most popular segment at the time. It was called Summa Tweetologica, where we would read tweets and talk about them, right? So that's, that's the background of this. And the idea that Twitter becoming X changing that segment if we do it to x communications is such a good idea i love that 
I do too. But like, I it feel makes like... me want to do it. <laughs> yes, I'm just trying to figure out how we. I feel like just calling it just just excommunications. Like you gotta add something. Yeah, there needs it needs something, some sort of adjective. I don't know. I think I think you just have it like the letter X and then communications, like, right? Oh, X communications. And and Nick hasn't done a new bumper in forever. I think he could work some magic with X communications. Oh, I think so too. Now there's two things here. Is it fair yeah. to impose a new bumper on him while A expecting baby B moving to a new house? Um so this is this would be my 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 pastoral plan. It would be like Nick. We float this idea to Nick. Whenever you're you're free, maybe you're going crazy, maybe you need a break, do you need a creative outlet? We need a bumper for X communications. And whenever that arrives, whether it's in a month or two or tomorrow, that's when we try out excommunications. This is fair. Hi everyone, producer Nick here. I'm in a bathroom in my new house scraping wallpaper. So I will not be making a new bumper today. But what I will be doing is taking advantage of this opportunity to say whoever it was who invented wallpaper in the 70s and decided to put it on every wall, every room, every bathroom, behind every toilet, in every medicine cabinet, around every medicine cabinet, on every outlet, on the ceiling, on the perimeter of a perfectly good painted room. I have this to say to you. You are excommunicated. Stay tuned for a bumper when I'm, uh, oh. Gosh, oh, I, every time my phone rings, I think it's my wife saying I need to go to the hospital. Ah. Anyway, stay tuned for later when I make a really good excommunicated bumper. <laughs> uh, second question, and this actually, this whole call actually prompted this for me in my head. Okay. Because I realized this last week, and then I'm like, wait, we've been doing this for five years now. Oh, yeah, we have been. <laughs> Like, 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 I was in our text chat, like, wait, guys, I think, I think we've been doing this for five years now. I think it's been five years. And then yeah. Riley does some deep diving. She goes, yeah, August 15th, five years ago is when you guys started this. I'm like, we totally skipped our five year anniversary. <laughs> We're so good at podcasting. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> like, I just, so I wanted to use that now as an opportunity just to say that because that's probably all we're going to say about. So it gives, we're allowed to be self referential for a little bit because of that. Yeah. Okay. In that case, let's do this because I, I was uh, did something I did not do in a very long time. I rarely do this. I was checking out to see if we had any new reviews on Apple um, Podcasts, right? Uh, and uh, at the top of the list is a one star review. Um, and I'll tell you the name of the reviewer in a second. But I had I had jokingly said I'm a big lefty on the podcast. It's kind of like a tongue in cheek kind of thing. I forget exactly in what context or why I did it. It was just, you know, whatever. Right. And um, this guy, um, oh, actually, th I mean, I don't want to gender this person, but this person uh, left a review saying, nope, you know, being a lefty means you're following the Bergoglian thing and you don't support life and all this stuff. And I, he couldn't even listen to the podcast as soon as I jokingly said, I'm a big lefty, right? The kicker to yeah. this. Yeah, 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 go ahead, yeah. The kicker. The kicker yep. to this is that the the username is Evie Brawny, is Ava Braun. <laughs> so the wife of Hitler <laughs> reviewed our podcast and did not like the fact that I'm a big lefty, which tracks. It from tracks. From the grave. Yeah, from the grave. <laughs> it's just like, how are you? How are you? Like 
commenting on a Catholic podcast when your username is a tribute to Hitler's wife. <laughs> also, also, like at the same time, you just you haven't helped things by by saying the word. I don't want to gender this for the phrase. I don't want to gender the person. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna keep nettling <laughs> this, right? You haven't, helped, you haven't helped your case. <laughs> if I can't mess with people on a podcast, then what's even the point? You know. Um. That, that, so listen, if you've been so, there's two things here. First, clearly, Jim has been a longtime listener. Yeah, yeah, because he knows the like, I, I think, I think uh, that is worthy of gratitude, not just to Jim, but to all those who've been with us through thick and thin since the beginning. Yeah, uh, I think uh, we we do this for you and with you, and it's like this. We don't uh, uh, we don't do anything for our benefit with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of the time, the friends we've made along the way, you know. Uh, yeah, I think that's worthy. I think that's worthy of of, of gratitude. You know, they like also is that someone's been around long enough to understand, or maybe has listened to enough episodes, at least from the past, to understand yeah. that this is this was a regular, a regular thing. I mean, like, and it's going to show you too that because like uh, our first running gag on the show was the whole thing about Tommy, oh, who's yeah. not on Twitter anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, Tommy Ty was a internet personality on on Twitter. Also, wrote a few books. Good dude. And the whole joke yeah. was that we were eventually going to have him on our podcast, right. uh, and but we always ran out of time. Stealing the joke from what late night show? Something Jimmy like Kimmel. That? Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel, right? Jimmy Kimmel with Matt Damon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, but you know, and it was also great since we're reflecting just a little bit here. That our tagline at the end is uh, "Tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies." And uh, somebody took that very seriously and found Hitler's dead wife and suggested the podcast to him. And I think that is that is beautiful sharing of the gospel. Like, if, I mean, you must really love your enemies if you're finding, digging up Hitler's dead wife and being like, hey, God, listen to this podcast. It'll be good for you. So whoever did that, so, at least you tried. Yeah. And I, I respect that. The other thing is to remember, so like you get, you only see the reviews in your country. So like, Canada reviews there's always like obviously a lot less because we're smaller oh, uh, in okay, terms yeah. of population right so I don't see the American ones which is probably good I haven't looked in a long time and I yeah tend to I remember looking looking in the early days I'm like this isn't good for my soul so I right exactly I same tend to, to just look stop looking uh, I don't look at download numbers much anymore or anything I don't really care yeah <laughs> in that sense because it's like not because I don't care but it's like it's not really it's not about any of that stuff in a way um yeah but 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 to say though you know if you want to give us a little five-year anniversary gift, leave a review. Yeah. Please. Say hi. And only only five stars. If you're not going to do that, don't bother. Um, I know <laughs> there's also a review somewhere on the American Reviews that I had said that earlier on the podcast, and this person was very offended that I said, only give us five stars reviews. So he gave us a one-star review and yelled at us. <laughs> It's oh, like, that's good stuff. I love it. The world doesn't know how to take a joke anymore. No, and it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But uh, yeah, if you do leave a little review there, um, we might give you a shout out. Help spread out the podcast if you find it helpful. If not, no big deal. Just keep listening. If you just want to listen and never review, that's fine. I don't care. Um, there is no pressure. And if you, are, <laughs> if you are a dead dictator's girlfriend or wife, um, you know, feel free to leave a review as well. <laughs> By the way, did I ever tell you that I have the son of a, the former Austrian dictator uh, who was assassinated by Hitler in my 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 parish? Wait, say that again slower for me. <laughs> uh, the um, Alphonse Dolphus, I think that's the first right first uh, first name there, 
yeah. who was assassinated by Nazi cronies through Hitler's orders in the mm -hmm. mid-30s, was the dictator of Austria of sorts, like, right. um, of sorts. Um, early 30s, it's hard just to use that title, anyways, but it's just... Yeah. Um, his son lives in my parish. That's wild. Yes. The Got really far away from, from uh, Austria. Fair well, enough. Well, Good play. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, no. So here's the little fun story. That, and it's okay. all like public record stuff. So it's not. Anyways, but it's that him, like, he was like, he was not old. He was not that old. Like he was like two or three. He doesn't really remember it. But uh, sure. his mom and his siblings were vacationing in Italy with the Mussolini's. <laughs> so crazy. And their dad got murdered. And so Mussolini actually helped. Because Mussolini was fighting hard against Germany's power at the time. And so mm -hmm. Mussolini uh, helped them escape to England. Uh mm -hmm as, as um, political refugees and then they eventually got to Montreal where he was born and raised and then retired out here on the west coast and that's uh, amazing yeah, he comes he comes to my my church which is like <laughs> cool. like wow this is things you don't expect to first in your priesthood so speaking of world war ii figures and all this stuff of early 20th century mm -hmm. stuff it's like that's why it prompted all this but it's like that's amazing. I love just, that. Uh, sometimes you don't expect to get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, in summation, thank you all for listening. Yes. Uh, please yes. review on iTunes. Tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies who, because he just says we must love our enemies. And uh, let's, do, uh, let's just jump into some presbyteral exhortations. Sure. Sound good? Sure. Sounds good. And now it is time for presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. <laughs> I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the oh, best part. Oh, yes. Quite. Yes. Quite. Father Harrison, when I say today, Bourdais, does that, does that fire any synapses in your brain? When I say today, Bourdais. Today, Bourdais. Today, Bourdais. No. Today, Bourdais is Le Bourdais. Nothing? No. Wait, no, no. Y have you ever... I've ever here. Yeah, so this is early internet days. Um, uh, peak millennial oh, humor. Oh, is, is this um, is, is this Strong Bad? No, close. Right right genre. Oh. This would be Homestar from HomestarRunner.com. Oh, it's Homestar. Okay, okay. So it was Homestar. Okay. It sounds like something Strong, uh, it sounds like something strong Bad would say. Yes. Yeah, strong Bad has got that... Yeah, he's got them a creep from this is this is this is Homestar. So peak millennial humor, a bunch of internet skits when Flash was still a thing. And um and they're very dumb. They're very dumb. Uh but uh you know, when you're a kid oh first exploring the internet and you find this delightful, delightful. So there's this whole skit of Homestar and a popcorn machine, um, making sure that everyone and his brother doesn't do any work on Labor Day, because today Day is Labor Day, right? That's the gist of it. I had to explain that um, to uh, producer Riley because she's a little uh, Gen Z and uh, she was not interested at all. And I felt old and that was great. Um, so the millennials listening, you're cheering. Everyone else doesn't care. Fine. Weird entry into the fact that this past Monday in the good old United States of America, we celebrate our in most Canada. communist holiday, Labor Day, where we take a break it, from it's labor. Proof, it's proof that the Reds actually did take over democracy. 
Oh, yeah. Speaking of um, Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah. They were all over the place. They even got a holiday in here. Sneaky communists. There's so... May Day, Labor Day. It's like, oh, you yeah. Guys are just, you guys have gone all commie red. We are compromised. We are compromised for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, that's why Abram Prawn is so mad at us. Okay. <laughs> this is the weirdest way I've ever gotten political on this podcast. But, okay. So we've got for a holiday like that. Um, we, we usually have two masses, a 7 a.m. and a 9 a.m. And we for a holiday, we just do a 9 a.m. And so we added a little bit more music and stuff, had a had a little Labor Day mass. And I guess preached a little bit on, on work because that's like a thing. So I want to just reflect a little bit on work because um, I know we've talked about leisure before. Um, but I think let's talk about uh, work a little bit and how that factors into yeah. the Catholic, you know, mind. Um, yeah, I'm down for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, so did you do the like I know there's like a special mass for like labor day or something like that i think there may be but um i for my morning daily masses um there is a deacon uh who's very good he actually knows the book and everything and he just sets up the book for me and i don't even look at it until i'm flipping to that page to pray it so it was just an ordinary yeah like i just found out today it's uh this tells you what they were recording this week uh i just found out it's uh mother Teresa's feast day today that's her it's her but it's optional in Canada for some reason. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's, not even, it's not even in our books, obviously. So uh, I don't. Yeah, it's I, not in our I, books. If either, I remember so. to get those things, if I get, remember to get those things together for tonight, I'll do it. But uh, I have to remember to do that. That's always the Yeah, because you got to print them out. That's the thing. I depend on my sacristan to just look at the order and set things up. Yeah. Um, so no big deal. So we didn't do like a Labor Day mass, but I preached on, on uh, work and began by saying the, the fascinating thing about work, because one, I think most of our experience of work, um, and we'll get into this a little bit more, is that work is super annoying, which is a result of a fall. Um, but in the beginning uh, was work, really. Adam and Eve placed in paradise and were called to tend the garden. And in this mm-hmm. context, um, labor, work, um, takes on this kind of special meaning, special understanding, because um, it's um, we as creation get to participate in God's creation, uh, Tolkien would call this sub-creation. And by using our minds, bodies, intellects, all the gifts that we've been given by God, we now have an opportunity to use them, explore them, um, and uh, see the works of our hands in conjunction with you know, God's work. And so gardening is a beautiful um, metaphor for this, and probably reality as well, is that nature itself has a certain order to it. It has. It makes sense. This is why we can do science. I mean... Um, and then we add our own order onto it. We participate in this sub-creation. And we take the wildlife and we form it. And we're not making a new thing, but we're playing with the thing that God gave us. It's like God gave us a bunch of really cool Legos and we get to build a new thing out of it. And right. by doing that, not only do we um, offer tribute to God and the fact that we are using the gifts he has given us, we offer that creation back to God. Work is kind of like the original worship. God gives us something, we mess with it, we give it back to God. It's God's way to allow us to love him. Because this is this is a big thing. How do you love an infinite God, yeah. even if you're sinless, right? You know? Yeah. And it's also, but it's also, it's not just a giving back, but it's also a real participation in his creative act. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Like, it gets, it's, uh, it's, it's like, I think Tolkien uses the phrase, like, sub-creation. Yes. 
Yeah, Sorry, so we're continue. like, this is the coolest thing. That's one of the coolest things about God. And if you understand this about God, you understand a lot more about revelation and grace and how everything works. He really right. enjoys letting us participate in his work, participate in his grace yeah. in a real way that actually does things, if you will. Um, yeah. So you've got like original worship is very much tied up with work, gardening. Mm -hmm. um, God gives us things. We give it back to him. This exchange of love. And I tell people in my preaching. Whenever you hear worship, because sometimes that word, um, I think sometimes worship has a negative connotation because we think of idol worship or the worship of um, creation or like the worship of pop stars or the worship of political stars and stuff. And it gets a kind of negative connotation. Like, um, I think, uh, but if you understand that worship is how we love God, then it makes a little more sense, right? That's what worship is, is giving God love, basically loving God, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's saying that, like I think I think if I remember correctly, that the in the English language worship is originally pronounced like worthship. Ah, right? that, like, that like, makes sense. If I, if, if, if I remember correctly, I could be if misremembering not, we'll this. So yeah, uh, it sounds right. Um, we declare it to be true, which is which is about which is about our our definition of truth on this podcast. It sounds right. Yeah, so. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we go for vibes it's like, on it's this like, podcast. It's like it's like it's like Colbert and truthiness. You know, it's just it just feels right in the gut, and mm -hmm, so that exactly. tells me it's true. Uh, yeah, but uh, um, yeah, so that this idea is saying I'm I'm giving because it's worthy. It is worthy of 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 my time, work, and effort. Right, just so so. In a way, you could say that there is such such a thing as as a proper worship of creatures. Like a husband mm -hmm. and wife have a certain worship of each other in the sense of like they are worthy of love, and mm -hmm. all the work and effort is to build up uh, the relationship between those two people, right? So, worship, yeah, worship's good. Yeah, and we we get uh, also hints of this in in the liturgy, um, which is uh, work in a sense. It's the work of the people. It's how we enter into worship uh, of God. Um, but let's put that to the side for a second. So work is good, essentially, primordially, just like uh, creation is good, being man or being a woman is good. Um, it's a part of who we are. Uh, the problem is uh, we screw up, uh, Adam and Eve, you've heard the story, very sad. And uh, all of a sudden, I, the big punishment is now you will um, work by the sweat of your brow, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if sweat is... A part of the fall, or if at one point in time sweat was more comfortable. Maybe sweat wasn't stinky before the fall, but whatever it is, now we get sweaty and annoyed with stuff, right? Yeah. And this is the uh, the weird dichotomy, because there are times when we are doing work where we are very connected to what we are doing. Um, when you're doing work that you love, you get almost lost in it. It almost becomes a kind of play. Um, and you see the fruits of what you're doing. And so it's one thing, seeing the fruits of what you have done and also the doing of it where you're engaging your faculties, your, the gifts that God has given you, where there's a joyful experience. And I think hopefully everyone has had something like that. A lot of times it's in hobbies for us, you know? Um, it's in uh, those things that aren't quite play, but they're not like laborious work either. Um, or sometimes like if you're really good at, like I've got a friend who, does taxes and stuff and uh she'll say like you know while i'm in it and doing it like I, i'm good at my job and i like what i'm doing right um and there are other times when you might be doing that same job where it's just a pain in the butt like work is painful it is yes. difficult yes it is it is marriage paperwork 
it is less <laughs> celebrated, you know, it is, um, or even like, you know, um, in the mass, uh, you know, a lot of times, like the first mass, great, love it, in it. If I'm doing my second or third of the day, it's it's more work. It's more painful, right? It's more taxing, yeah. It's more, yeah. it is, I mean, it is a work in a way. It is like, it, this is the thing, it's like in this life because of the fall, even in the most leisurely of activities, uh, there is still an element of work in it, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It's, uh, and that you can't, that that there's always going to be an element of suffering for a good of, of something. Even if it's mm -hmm. just simply, I have to give up time to do this. Uh, yeah. Um, like, I'm always, like, even, like, right now, like, generally on Sundays, I only just have one mass. But um, I'm usually pretty exhausted after that one mass because I put my oh, whole absolutely. into it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. Or like later today, I'll be working on uh, my next section of Dungeons and Dragons, and I have to put work in there as the DM. And it's at one time fun, but also kind of annoying because I don't want to spend the time to do it. But also, I love doing it, right? So that's that's like the um, uh, the struggle of the fall is that yeah. DMing Dungeons and Dragons is now difficult, whereas beforehand it would be great. Um, so there's that, and, but you also see like the necessity of work, and I think the big example. Of, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go yeah, go ahead. I'm just, the necessity I'm just of work. what you're saying. Yeah, okay, yeah. The necessity of work in the sense that it is a part of who we are, you see this in the retiree who becomes depressed. Or uh, sometimes for me, if I spend the whole day doing nothing, um, there is something kind of missing. And part of that is not entering to leisure, but I can put that aside. Um, but like there needs to, that's why a lot of times uh, our retirees are so involved in the church. Uh, and they all, there are sacristans, they help out with funerals, they do all this great stuff. Um, not because they need to, but they also kind of need to, right? right. Because yeah, we're, we're part of who we are. Because, well, because, who, I mean, it gets to a deeper... I don't want to interrupt your line of thought too much here, but it's just like... Go ahead. This is what we do. To, we interrupt to, lines of thought. To, to, to work is part of... It's an expression of to be, mm -hmm. right? It's an expression of being, of act. And to... to kind of resist that in our being can um like it's a weird like I, I think so to be a creature means both that we have an autonomy over ourselves and our our own kind of quote-unquote being and yet at the same time there is something in us that says i am not the source of my own self i depend on another mm -hmm. right so there's this active receptive paradox of the person and, and and so when you cease to act you're actually like going against to an excessive degree you're going against something that is essential to what it means to be human mm. at the same time to overact to be a workaholic for example is to go against your being that you need this like you need this like simultaneity of of act and 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 receptivity mm -hmm. in order to be human and and so this is why the this is one i would say this is a metaphysical reason as to why the retiree uh has to do something because and why they can become depressed if they do nothing or why when i have a, a lazy day of rest over a restful day of rest they yeah, are different exactly. things um yeah it's it's a whole it's a whole thing but um yeah, I got more things to say about it. I want you, I want to let you continue your your thing because I I, I want to talk about the retirement stuff at some point. 
Okay. Yeah. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to get away from your. Yeah, yeah. It's arg- totally of argument. Because um, I'll bet you run out of stuff to say anyway. So, uh, but you okay. see this built into creation. I mean, the the most obvious thing of this um, work rest um, is the. Um, six days of creation and the seventh day of rest. And we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast before, mm-hmm. but also daily, you've got uh, daytime and nighttime. Nighttime is, especially like in the evening before bed is like this time f- usually for rest, for the gathering of the family, if you can, um, for um, more receptivity, um, while the day is more for this activity and work. You even see that in the church's um, liturgical prayer, you see it's like early morning. So we have more time, uh, ideally in the morning to pray the longer liturgy hours which is uh morning prayer and the longer liturgy hours in the evening which is evening prayer and daytime prayer for us is it's 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 short because you got work to do but you still need that time for rest so you see this in the balance of creation in the balance of uh the church's life trying to reorder fallen uh creation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you've got that uh balance and work doesn't end in a sense, it's transformed, it's, it's a little bit different, but it doesn't end when we die. The example I use is, you know, St. Anthony, while he is at rest, you know, and he's in the presence of God, he's also finding everybody's wallet on earth, right? He's also <laughs> interceding well, for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or, or it's, it's St. Therese, like, uh, or yeah. Mother Teresa today, right? If I'm going, going to be a saint, it should be one of darkness so that I would leave heaven to bring the light of heaven into the darkness of the world. Uh, the, that and you see this actually. It's, it's like it's treason. It's in Saint Elizabeth of Trinity. It's in Mother Teresa. Um, this idea of leaving heaven, that the mission doesn't end in death, mm-hmm. because love is like okay, God is love, right? That is the definition. Like that is a kind of great definition of who God is. Well, that God is a, to love is to act. Like God is actually in, mm-hmm. in. He's both pure rest and pure act at the same time. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so the saint in growing closer to God grows closer to this, this act of love towards others and that it doesn't just restrict itself to heaven, but it's always looking, uh, it's not just there for their, they want to share in God's love for the world, which is something Mm -hmm. that's always towards the world. Exactly. And entering and them being closer to God now in heaven, um, and entering into God's both like eternal rest and eternal activity. Um, uh, the, what we can take from that is like, you can't bother saints. Like sometimes we get worried if sometimes it's, we, we, it's the funny thing that we do that we, like we, we apply our human understanding of things to God and to the saints. Like um, God does not tire of hearing your requests. The saints exactly. do not get overwhelmed by how often you lose your keys or yeah. uh, ask for something more serious, the conversion of, of a friend or a family member that like yeah. they are able to do this work because they are more perfectly participating in God's being. So there's that right. once perfect rest but also all the joy of activity mm-hmm. it's the reception of love and the activity of love at the same time in the in the yes. saint who is in heaven yep um also uh so this okay i've been uh the one th- one of the critiques i think that uh the benedict benedict in particular takes very seriously about marx and i think you have to take it's probably marx's best critique and i'm gonna mess up the exact wording of this is that so often um, we become disconnected or disassociated with our work that our work becomes uh, feels meaningless right mm-hmm. that um, a lot of people with uh, what I like to call jobby jobs um, it's very difficult to see a greater meaning in that whether you are 
in Zoom meetings all day, less people are in cubicles mm -hmm. now, but or you're um, going to a meeting or doing work that does not bring any kind of life or satisfaction. And a part of that is due to industrial revolution and modernity and such. And so, right. so that work becomes particularly laborious in the negative sense. So, so okay. Um, I think there's something here worth discussing if, if you're okay with it. Yeah, I'm totally good. I, 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 I was just to trying to be, because I can easily start to like dominate with ideas. I don't want to derail things ever. Uh, I always try to pick topics that I know you'll be interested in because it makes my life easier. So don't feel bad. Uh, <laughs> You've okay, been very okay, patient. Okay. You've been a good boy. Okay, good, good, good. good. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I just, I think you're bringing up an interesting point like about this idea of work and like, um, I mean, for, for, for Marx, work is the only thing about man. Uh, mm -hmm. It's all about pure man is actually to produce himself. Like So this idea of salvation is only possible by man's work and that we can actually uh, economic output is like the definition of man, essentially. And mm -hmm. we can judge history. We can under if we actually understand the inner dynamics of history, we can actually hasten the new world uh, through our work. Right. So it's a mm -hmm. pure activism. It's a pure pragmatism that is uh, that I would say and this is going to probably scandalize some of my American listeners here, I would say is actually very much at the heart of a lot of the uh, uh, work ethic idea of of of, uh, of American philosophy of work, if you will. I think, yeah, I think it, there's a lot of Marxist undertones to the very notion of, of of work there. And I'm not saying this is like a, but I just say we have to be, we have to actually understand that actually a lot of things that it might fall into like conservative or liberal are actually both underlying actually the same Marxist idea around work. Mm -hmm. um, and that we just need to be aware of these things because for, uh, because by working this way, we can actually destroy. Um, we can actually essentially kill God, uh, as by by refusing our creatureliness, mm -hmm. right? And, and it's weird because I don't say, well, "What's this new man look like?" And Marx is like, "I don't know." Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, we got to find it's gonna out. Be so, it's going to be so totally different that we're actually we can't even foresee it. Um, mm -hmm. But in all of this, too, like he's recognizing at the time, like the problems. There was something like I think uh, the more I think about it, the more I wonder about how much we still have even dealt with the impact of the Industrial Revolution as human beings. I mean, and it happened like two seconds ago, basically. More or less. And that we yeah. haven't reflected on its like impact on the notion of how we understand it, what it means to be human. So why am I saying this all? Because like actually in part of my uh, 90s um, eagerness to reflect on things and, and my life and everything, uh, like if I'm eating lunch or I'm having a quick dinner or something like that, I've been rewatching uh, Home Improvement. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> okay, which is interesting in many ways. Um, for those who are like Gen Z, uh, it was a '90s family sitcom about a guy who ran a tool show. Blah blah blah. You can look it up on Google. Um, yeah. But there's this character named Wilson who's kind of like the wise figure, uh, always mm -hmm. there to steer things in the right direction. And, and actually, I would say kind of like a, a, a wise father in many ways to the to the um, to that household. Um, he's, he's the guy behind the fence, right? Yeah. 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 So there's also yeah. like almost a mystical aspect to him that you only see his yes. eyes peeking above the fence like he's other. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like God peeking from behind the clouds. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and always doing something totally different than anybody would normally do. Like it's just, but in the first pilot episode, 
uh, he talks about how uh, he talks about like oh the 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 problems today of men finding their own identity. I'm like oh this mm-hmm. is interesting. So that's yeah. a discussion 30 years ago. Um, yeah, but where it's interesting he goes yeah it's the we we should blame the industrial revolution where it took men out of the homes. Mm-hmm. And he goes this whole thing about men and identities and stories, and uh, I was like oh this is fascinating like that. He says that prior to the industrial revolution most work ended up out of the home and it was like and it's more or less it was like the whole family working together so again it's this whole idea like well women should stay at home it's like well actually everybody should stay at home that was actually kind of the norm for a while yeah uh we we removed people and by removing people from the homes like men from the homes for example it, it removed the father figure as being more integral to the life of of the kids growing up and that and in all this that they locked they were removed from a community whereby they received their identity he says mm-hmm. that we actually need to go back to something more primitive around this. I think this is a very elegant uh, critique uh, that I love. But to get to this whole thing around work that you're talking about, the Industrial Revolution, right? So mm-hmm. 20 bucks says this whole notion of retirement, for example, that you brought up earlier, I yeah. would not be surprised has been exacerbated by the Industrial Revolution. Oh, absolutely. For two reasons, right? It's almost like It's almost like this notion that in response to excessive work, we need excessive rest, mm-hmm. right? In order to bring about more capital output, so that you know, so like, um, so there, like, the irony is that like Marx's critique of of work and capitalism is actually rooted in the same logic as work as like the capitalist notion of work here. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, for, for, for Marx, it's like, no, you just work your whole life now. Like it's, it's, but it's like, there's the same notion here. Like there's this, there's this excessive work in both essentially. And that the, the Catholic notion of all this is, is first, like interestingly too, is to my knowledge in, in, in Hebrew, there is no word for retirement. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that's always something to keep in mind. Um, but I wonder if, this whole notion of like working and identity and this meaninglessness that we can often find in our tasks is because we've abstracted work so much. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that began with the, re- the industrial revolution where the, pr- there is so- like, there is something I think to this idea that like, why, like why are Legos so popular for example? Mm-hmm. And I think it has something to do with the fact that we've lost the connection between our labor and the and the output of our labor. Yes. Right? This is why this is why Minecraft is the biggest game of all time. Right. Right. Yes. But even there, it's super abstracted. You might super see the abstracted, product, but yeah. you can't feel it. You can't touch it. You can't smell it. Right. Like, there is a distinct smell to Legos, right? Like <laughs> Yes, yes. Legos, Legos are better than Minecraft, but it's the same vibe, it's the same idea. Yeah. Right. And it's like it's something I've been always been aware of personally. Like I, I I recognize I can I I tend to stay more in the realm of ideas and thinking, although I I, I also really value the concrete. I'm just not very good with my hands mm-hmm. and I get easily distracted. Um but I think this idea of of kind of getting a bit more rooted in in the world, if you will, is is a beginning of the response to the the problem of work we have today, uh, and, and also honestly, like work feels more and more burdensome because we feel we have to do more and more just to just to kind of get by because the the culture is adding new technological advances so fast that quickly become necessary in order to exist in it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to seminary, iPhone one came out. Okay. Yeah. 
15 years ago, iPhone one comes out. Cell phones were kind of pretty prominent at the time, but still like a lot of people had landlines and stuff like landlines are almost yeah. a thing of the past now. Right. Um, I can't live without this now. I wish I could. I really truly wish I did not have to have my cell phone. Mm-hmm. I cannot function in this world anymore without it though. It's become such a cultural norm so quickly rather than like something become culturally normative over a few generations it's become culturally normative in the span of 15 years. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we've not given ourselves enough time to reflect on what is the impact of the technology on us. I'm not saying that new technology is bad. Right. But it has an, it, it, it has an imprint on us. And I think so then these losses of identity that come with work and retirement, I think are very much integrated in all these questions. And I think one thing we can do to start to reintegrate it is this is like one something I was sharing with someone the other day. I said about how, um, okay, so if, if if Wilson's right, and I think he is, um, what do we do about this living in the world where work as it is, is so prominent? And I said, well, it's simple. The guy who retires, you know, let's, I, I guess the example I think of is, you know, someone's car breaks down. And the guy mm-hmm. who retired is a mechanic. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's retired. He doesn't have a shop anymore, or whatever. But he gets you get integrated in the community enough that this this dad like actually has actually the reason I thought is because I had a prisoner whose van like the starter broke down on Sunday last not this, a couple Sundays ago, and uh, I thought to myself, you know, what would be amazing if he could phone up like Joe Smith, who's a retired mechanic, and says, "Oh, your your car broke down. Oh, sounds like a starter issue. I'm gonna come over there and I'll take a look at this. Oh yeah, you're gonna need to get a mechanic. But you know, I know I know this guy over here." So what happens is the retired guy still feels his value as a person in work because it's integrated into a community where trust is built. Yeah. And, and, and before... it builds a relationship. And it builds a relationship where then because of the like the niceness like that he would show up to, to deal with that, you know, maybe they, they invite him over for dinner one night or something like this, right? And then that dad is listening to this older man about his time and so this younger man and then the boys and the kids in this and and, and, and you know maybe the guy brings his wife like all these stories and then all the families are integrating this this knowledge through a social situation whereby they find their identity they find life in that and they want to build that up more right and so this is like so the work becomes a means of building community and i think this is the heart of catholic understanding of work well, it's it's. I think it's that's what would have naturally happened before in communities. Yes, this is yes. why yes. you see in scriptures, you see in, in ancient texts, like the respect for um, the 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 elderly, the the wise men. It, it happened more naturally in communities. Now we have to work for it because yes, yes, you could find Joe Smith, but also there's a Jiffy Lube down the road, right? And so it, there's more of a work to build that community to make that happen right. to connect the humanity with the work and everything. Um, oh, well, I was gonna say a few more things. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I monologued there a bit. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. So, that's like, what it sounds it like you were, you were getting a lot of neurons firing. Yeah, 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 it was good. Um, so it's taking a step back with um, the idea that Marcus of this like new man thing that's, he has no idea what it looks like or that's been achieved. Um, on the flip side, we've seen what the new man of capitalism is. Like we have tons of examples of somebody who has either done all the work or acquired all the capital and we see that man is utterly empty so much so that like these people who have acquired all this capital all this wealth 
um, don't know what to do with themselves, so they buy Twitter and try to go to space. There is a, a continual emptiness in the achievement of a goal that isn't a goal. Um, this is why a lot of times you see, and you see examples of this in movies and stuff too, as well in real life, that the the elderly person who keeps trying to hold on to power and acquire more and more wealth because there is no goal that is satisfying to the human person if your life is work or if your life is mm -hmm. accumulation of power. There's an emptiness right. in that. So it's at once achieved and unachievable. Um, the, right. the goal of, of, of that kind of, that idea of capitalism because the work is abstracted from our humanity. And, and, this, and so, and when it gets abstracted, it, it really emphasizes the nothingness. Yeah, which is part of exactly. our Christianness, right? Like, so again, like all this is not possible without Christianity for a whole lot of reasons I'm not mm -hmm. going to bore people with today, but, um, but what's interesting there then is, is this, you see for the Christian, because of the fact of the incarnation and it's enduring reality for us, what is fleeting of work actually becomes sacramental. So, um, like to reflect again on my, the young adult group, I'm kind of getting going here at the parish, for example, I've put a lot of work, which is mostly just time and relationship mm -hmm. in building this up. And now people see the fruit of this. It's something that endures that even if the, because the young adult groups, they fluctuate over time all the time. They go, they yeah. come, they go. Uh, it's a transitional of, transitory time years. of life. Yeah. Yeah. And because we are no, we are now we are nomadic people once again. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, <laughs> um, but what remains, regardless of the groups there. So like my work is not to waste because those relationships have endured. You know, maybe even people get married through the group eventually one day and stuff mm -hmm. like this, or people enter priesthood or religious life, and and there's that remaining friendship. What happens with that then is that, and then hopefully God willing, they become saints through all that. That this becomes a, uh, but that that endures, right? That is worth it. That is something that the work is not worthless because something endures from it and it doesn't, it's not actually fleeting and it is a lot of work and it is time consuming and it does all this stuff, but it's worth it because you see something enduring. And I think uh, in the face of the abstracted nothingness of work that we so often face today, I think that this is um, both something terrifying that we actually have to be more in touch with as Christians. Mm -hmm. But also, I think Christianity has something of an answer to this that says, actually, no, there is something that endures, but you need to allow, like, because at the heart of Marxism is this idea that, like, matter is opaque. It, mm -hmm. It's it's thick. You can't see past it. There's no, there is no meaning to it. It is just yeah. there as malleable for your own production. Um, there is nothing spiritual or anything. But for the Christian, uh, matter is transparent. It, 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 you can see through it to something more. Mm -hmm. and that that is where meaning starts to come through to say actually the like it is interesting that the more we fall into materialism the more we, f we fall into nothingness and the more we fall mm -hmm. into relationship with god the more we fall into that enduring sense of meaning of work yeah and it's I, we don't have time to get into this but i think it, it's getting into something else because i have so many friends who are in ministry in various forms um and and a lot of them do very 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 good work and all that but also i think among a certain group of of young uh catholics it's that the only way their work can be meaningful is if they are in ministry 
different. Like yeah. there's almost a hyper, like there's no way to make normal work worthwhile because it's not directly connected with the work of, of, of ministry. And one of my things has been like, I would love to see, and like, so each person is called to their own thing. So I'm not judging anybody mm -hmm. individually, but like, um, we've lost the idea of going out into the world and having a jobby job and being Catholic in that and how powerful that is a witness, um, to, um, our understanding of, of both nature and grace and, and work and such. Um, there's something there that it keeps rattling I around think, in my head. So I think with that, it's, it, there is, and maybe it's for another episode one day. Is, yeah, I think is the. I think this is something that still needs to be unpacked from the Second Vatican Council, which is the secular vocation of the laity as mm -hmm. the principal means of holiness. The mm -hmm. principal means of that the church that 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 what you do at Mass on Sunday extends into like your work in the world and stuff like this. Um, it extends into all these different things. That that's where you start to bring Christ into the world and the world into Christ. That is the vocation of the lady that we actually, that's where we need to be putting a lot more of our lay attention and our formation, right? That, that that's where we need to be forming people more for. And I think with that will stands come like things like evangelization come very naturally with that because yeah. people see in you life, like this, this, this uh, paper pushing job is not killing you. Why? Well, cause I have Christ. Mm -hmm. And in Christ and I, because I do this as an act of love, both for my family, the people I work with and for the world, et cetera. I recognize that in the eyes of the world, this is a very meaningless job that doesn't mm. do much. But in the eyes of Christ, it's actually, it, in the eyes of love, it's infinite. Yeah. And that imbues it with a meaning that attracts people <laughs> big mm -hmm. time. And that this is where we need, but we need to say like, yeah, your work primarily is actually out there. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is, there is places and, and, and means for lay leadership in parishes too. Um, yeah. But, but, but it's like, but again, like, because when you're doing that in the, in the workplace, that is part of the parish. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you start getting away from this idea of like just the institutional side of a parish and really understand as it means we can't log, it's the territory. What you do on Sunday is connected to what you do on Monday. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not critiquing people who do, I guess this is yeah. uh, uh, solidifying it for me is th there is an attitude that the only way my work can be meaningful is if it's directly tied to ministry and that's right. dangerous, right? Yes. You know, cause yes. you know, if without, without like, lay people in ministry, I would probably have gone insane by now. Uh, but like there is a, a, an idea that like, this is the only way that my work can have meaning. And that's not, that's, that's what I'm almost hearing, denying. I'm, yeah. What I'm hearing yeah, is that you're pro Riley and anti Nick. Um, I, I <laughs> not saying that. I know. I know you're not. I am that. certainly pro Riley. I'm certainly not anti Nick. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. No. <laughs> that you, Sorry. that was, that like, was mean. Like, you trapped me in that. <laughs> that. That was just like, it was just like, it was just a law ball right to the But back. I mean, Riley, uh, Patricia Riley is a good example because it, well, part yeah. of the reason why she loves her job as a realtor is because she's helping people find homes. I, I think. Um, and there's a lot of Catholic connection in that. I think when it becomes really difficult is when your work is completely divorced from human interaction. Um, yeah. Then it, that is that is the hardest kind of thing to deal with because if you are, and I don't, I don't know how many jobs are around anymore because um, with Zoom and I don't know, but like mm -hmm. if you're just in a cubicle all day and you never talk to people, it, that is that is very dehumanizing, right? Yes. Um, you know, uh, like that makes it increasingly difficult. Jobs like that are just 
oof, right? Um, and that's, but, I think uh, that's just part of it, yeah. that that dehumanizing element is part of what Catholicism needs to be critical towards. Yes. That actually Catholic Catholicism is actually very pro-work. Um, yeah. There's literally a whole thing in the church called the Catholic worker movement and stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, um, but it is dehumanizing. Have you ever seen the movie Half the Space? Obviously, yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yeah, I, again, in my nineties, I was I absolutely it. right on track. Um, this is part of the whole shtick of the, the movie: is this man finding total meaninglessness, and and in in the midst of a bland world that he's just really he becomes a cog. Like it, 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 again, it's kind of like a communist dream state in many ways. Yeah, in a capitalist yeah. world, which is yeah. a cog in a machine. And that is your life, and that is your meaning. And only when he actually starts to kind of recognize this and like escape it, that he actually mm-hmm. the problem. And I, yeah, then he gets into you know he gets into just like a construction job or whatever. But I think it actually doesn't solve the problem. But I think that's part of the greatness of the movie is that it shows the question of work as something vital. Like because the thing we even talk about today, I know we have to wrap up, is the yeah. whole question between work and identity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, that is a big, big part of this. But I think Office Space does a good job at showing the blend, the the dehumanizing element of a workspace. Yeah, as making you feel like you're just a part in a machine uh, is very dangerous. And I think Catholicism, as a very principle, can actually. But it also means that we need to transform work from within the church as well. How we organize mm-hmm. dioceses and parishes and all this stuff where we have to be more resistant to the metaphysics that a business world mentality brings in. Oh, I've got, I've got a whole episode in the tank about uh, parish plans and, and dots initiatives in the parish. But anyway, um, but also um, uh, on that note, um, you know, to, you know, the, the office space image of work, you can see the culture trying to counter that with like this new age space of work where, um, your work is your family and you, there's like there's like a pool table and like a place to nap and they try to make it more homey and that's just like so that you stay there forever exactly so one it's it's malicious in that like it stays there hell. forever it's an image of hell to me look how right. attractive this is you are here forever there is no escape <laughs> yeah so it's like it's not just making the workplace more quote-unquote like friendly or fun that's just skirting around the problem into a it's not it's not solving the problem of of right. a lack of humanity you know it's it's an attempt to um or it's a malicious move to just make you even more of a slave to your work um yeah, but you can't see that as well let's get uh, there's a lot of things we could branch off for this so i'm glad we had this conversation yeah um but uh, uh quickly good. quickly just one quick yeah, thing please. as a total aside is yeah. apologies for the mic issues folks last week uh, oh yeah it kind super of disappointing. I thought that was one of our best episodes ever because it was really where we got just super raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I hope I didn't offend anybody through it. I, I was working through things. I don't think I did. I think some people may have disagreed, but I hope people understood that this is just, yeah. we were just having a conversation trying to search for an answer, not necessarily coming to the answers itself. But it's also, and that recognizing too, uh, it was definitely a priestly perspective on things. Understanding that there's like, there's a lay side to all those Absolutely. questions as well. But we're working on – the interesting thing in this podcast is that Father Anthony always has internet issues, and I seem to always have mic issues. And yeah. this, is, this is the perpetual theme of our podcast. So we're still – we're going to see – I hope it worked better today. I hope it worked. Yeah, it's, I think it did. Um, but also, as a as – a, um, one of the best compliments I've received about our podcast came from our good friend Taylor Schroll over at Fort Day Catholic. Part of his job, a large part of his job, is editing, editing podcasts. He is an audiophile. And he said, I almost couldn't listen to the podcast because bad audio is just a trigger for him. 
but he said it was yeah. maybe the best podcast we, we ever did. So yeah. if you're willing to suffer through the bad audio, I think there's something good there. Um, you know, so for yep. what it's worth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you want excellent audio all the time, just listen to Forte Catholic. There you go, Taylor. Happy birthday. Um, it's not your birthday. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me uh, uh, doing work or taking a nap. We'll, we'll flip that coin, see what happens. You can find me on X at FR Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on X. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Do you have a theological emergency? Please call 412-912-7995. 412-912-7995. Peace. Bless.